0: was this combination of introspection and reflection with another person who's doing the same thing. So kind of has that same buy-in. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, I think like a lot of people could get something out of. So this idea of a uh, personal information architecture has been something that for years I've thought about and kind of dreamt about like this world of unlocking information architecture from purely professional endeavors. Um, and I think like there's nothing more important than making sense of yourself.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Edit Undo podcast. My name is Alfie, and we are joined with my co-host, Stephanie. And today we get to introduce you to a very special guest. Friend, collaborator, and colleague of mine, Abby Covert. is an information architect, writer, and community organizer with two decades of experience helping people make sense of messes. Apart from sharing her work on stage at more than 20 different conferences, she has also served the design community as president of the Information Architecture Institute and co-chair of Information Architecture Summit, as well as executive producer of the IDEA conference. Abby has written two popular books, How to Make Sense of Any Mess and Stuck Diagramming Helps. She currently spends her time making things that help make the unclear clear, many of which are made freely available at her website abbycovert.com or at an accessible price point at her Etsy shop Abby, the IA. In 2022, she started the SenseMakers Club, where she brings together sense makers from different walks of life to learn from one another. Abby currently lives and writes from Melbourne, Florida, where her most important job title is mom. And with no further ado, let's dive into the episode.
2: From all the things that Alfie read there, uh, it almost immediately sounds like you're, you're almost like a therapist making sense of things, but for creatives in some way. Right?
0: Totally. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I, I would say that that is actually, that is a name that I have been given at, in the past, usually by people I am actually really? working with. Yeah, I've been called an information therapist several times. I feel like that's wow. a really good way to describe it because some so much mm-hmm. of the mess is kind of confronting it at the beginning. And that's the scariest yeah. part for a lot of people. So yeah, there's a lot of like, mm talking people through the hardest part of confronting it which I think has a lot of overlap with therapy so yeah
1: mm-hmm. I think yeah, you read that
0: right yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And nice. <laughs> you know I think one of the things that um, that I kind of want to add and one of the contributions that I think your work has, has sort of um, really had an effect on is focusing specifically on making information architecture accessible. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more interested in the part about making it accessible than the actual information architect. I think, you know, you've done a lot of work in the space and and contributed quite a lot, but I think it's, you know, at least from, from what I've experienced of your community so far and what an outsider might see looking in, it's probably a little bit different working at educating people who are entering an industry for the first time and Mm -hmm. kind of establishing what their journey is going to be versus working with people who are already practitioners, um and are looking to improve their knowledge in a specific space um and i'd I'd be interested to hear a little bit about like how you've sort of found that 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 shift going from a a practicing information architect to kind of looking at supporting other people practicing in the space
0: yeah i feel like the um kind of the thesis of my work is that information architecture is for everybody and i try to sort of view all of my work through that lens And so I do run into Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are, uh, you know, related to the camps that you just described. I have people that are newer to a field that are finding information architecture as sort of this organizing framework, uh, Mm -hmm. a more like supercharged version of whatever they're doing. Later in, in their career path that have been doing this whole time and they didn't know what to call it. Jobs to specialize in, they've never known that there's uh, articles and books to read about it to get better at it. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. like in both of those cases, one of the most fundamental parts of information architecture becomes true about it, which is that language really matters. And when you don't have a label for a thing, it is not as findable. And I really do believe that it's a human skill set that needs to be accessible mm-hmm. to as many people as possible. Cause it's something we do all day, every day. I'm not teaching people about categories. Like you learn that in, in like pre-K literally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am pointing out that categories done without thoughtful attention can be really harmful to your business intention, Mm -hmm. your personal intention, whatever it is. So I feel like a lot of the things about information architecture are sort of the basics of being a communicator. um, Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. taken through a framework that people can actually (laughs) look at themselves as an IA and say, am I doing a good job at this or not? Um, And start to see how their role in information can get in the way. Because a lot
1: of times it is. Definitely. definitely. And, you, you know, there's, there's an interesting thing that you wrote about recently, which I, I'd like us to maybe start like um, laying the foundation of the conversation. It's this, this idea of, you know, from what you're describing, one of the main um, parts of the work is around communication. And mm-hmm. often, you know, the communication work that we're doing in an organization is focused around trying to create change of some kind. Whether it's yeah. to improve a specific element, to make something more accessible, to improve the flow of, of a specific journey, mm-hmm. but we can often hit our head against the perfectionism wall. Can you share a little yes. bit about, you know, some of the things that you've been sort of finding as you're working with the, the students that you're, that you're um, yeah. working with and just some of yeah. the things that you've, you've been writing about recently?
0: Yeah, I feel like So one of the blessings of this year for me has been this program I started in November last year called The Practitioner's Guide to How to Make Sense of Any Mess. And it was an invitation to a reader who really wanted to put IA into practice to come with me along on this seven-week journey where they're reading the book and then they're getting this bonus content and templates along the way um, so they can kind of make sense of their mess as they're reading it. Now, one of the small features that I added was this ability to dial in for office hours and ask questions. But after 11 months of uh, having these office hours, I'm starting to find out they don't have questions about the book. They don't have questions about information architecture. They have questions about change and people, Mm -hmm. like that is what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I really started Mm -hmm. to have that influence my own writing. Um, One of the things that I am really proud of identifying in myself is that I come from a perfectionist background and I've really had to work on that about myself um, to not constantly judge myself against the impossible standard And I started to Mm -hmm. see that in the questions that my students were asking. They would say things like, you know, oh, I came into this organization and, you know, it's a 50-year-old organization with, you know, thousands of people working there and this gigantic mess of a library. And I just want to make sense of it because it's such a mess. And I'm like, is that your job to do? Is that a thing that you have been incentivized to do? And they're Ah. like, no, but it's such a mess. Mm -hmm. It's in the way. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I get that. But... If the incentives aren't aligned, there's no way you're actually going to get that thing done. And I I think that in a lot of cases, the things that I'm seeing, the questions people ask is about change. And the thing that's standing in the way of change is that they have kind of this misalignment with their stakeholders about what it is the value is of the thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to sell it for it's better for users, but you get it to a certain level of stakeholder and you no longer get support for it's better for users. You only get support Mm -hmm. for it moves this needle in this direction. (laughs) and better for users yeah. actually isn't a needle you, you really it's very very difficult to measure that so yeah i find that um the more time i spend with real people making sense of real messes which is very different um than consulting right in consulting you're making sense of other people's messes in this format mm-hmm. i am meeting with people who are making sense of their own messes and i'm just hearing the hardest parts of it and i was surprised how much of it is telling them that you don't have to get to that perfect place you don't have to you don't have to work in a place where there are no messes to feel like you're mm-hmm. any good at this um because there's always going to be messes as soon as you figure out the yeah. ones you have there's going to be new ones so yeah mm-hmm. I've, i feel like i've learned a lot about myself um but also just about like i don't know the false promise of information architecture is that everything can be this like perfectly structured perfectly efficient thing and i just i don't believe that that's actually yeah. true so yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's impos- yeah it's important to get that word out to people because they They get the wrong message. They start to think that it's like them. They couldn't sell it. They couldn't get it done. They couldn't convince Mm. people, whatever it is. When really it's just like, no, it's an impossible task. You don't have the right incentive architecture right now to do the information architecture, which I think is an interesting thing. People need to be um, either taught or reminded of a lot of times it's like, oh, you're right. I've had that happen before, but it's almost like people need to be reminded of that in context to the thing they're doing right now.
2: Can you maybe, I don't know if there is someone you've worked with in the past that you can disclose uh, one of those actual projects or examples? Because I think especially for the people who aren't quite familiar with um, IA or even just the concept of sense-making, they might be wondering what you mean by making sense of a mess, what that mess can Mm -hmm. be in a, in a, like a practical sense and kind of, what do you actually do when you kind of work with them to to make sense of yeah. it is it like what exercises do you do with them and yeah sure
0: okay so i'm going to use two very different examples and then i'm going to tell you the mm-hmm. same process for both okay uh-huh. one is a small system of microsites to support mm-hmm. an ashram in india and the other mm-hmm. is a 96 week sales process for a billion dollar company called nike Okay, so Mm -hmm. the thing that those two things have in common is that both of them came to me with a complete mess on their hands, which was they had a very sprawling thing and they had no picture of the sprawling thing they had. So they couldn't impact change on the thing. So Nike had this 96 week process that had thousands of people working internally via that process and had for years, but it was kind of held together with the communication of emails and file servers and things like that. They were completely losing the opportunity for all of the data was being collected there Mm -hmm. to, you know, make the sales process in the future, be more efficient, be more data driven. Um, And so they saw that as an opportunity, but getting from the opportunity to actually being able to build a software Mm -hmm. suite that supports that the part in the middle is the information architecture. It's the figuring out what are the actual pieces of the thing? What are the labels that different versions of the audience for this thing give to that thing? And how does that thing connect to all of the other things? Um, and a lot of times yeah. that comes out in things like diagrams, maps, mm-hmm. controlled vocabulary documents, um, things like that. So uh, on a project as large as a 96 week um, process map for Nike, that took me nine months. I had an entire creative team. Yeah. It was to support a, a over a hundred person uh, engineering and design team that was going to be building off of it. So that was like a very large version of it. But yeah. with the ashram, that was like two monks, me and two monks on a zoom call um, and some pdfs flying back and forth and mm-hmm. you know it was just some some diagram but they're the same thing I, I made the same basic deliverables for both of those situations so i think um when i say how to make sense of any mess i'm pretty i'm pretty staunch on that any word yeah
1: <laughs> I <see>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know it it, it requires a, a robust process to be able to sort yes. of back back yeah. kind of that yeah. that approach
2: Mm-hmm. I'm I am quite so interested, I I, you... yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you, you punted on the word, the fact there can be any mess. So for me, mm-hmm. the most obvious example is obviously a lot of corporations, uh, teams work in silos. The information mm-hmm. is held in those spaces, which yeah. sounds like, um, working with them, the, the value you bring is kind of like an overarching, um, transparency and, bringing together those silos and understanding what information they hold and how they cross pollinate. Mm -hmm. Now, if if the mess can be any mess, does your Mm -hmm. process when you work with them change or like the methodology or does Mm -hmm. it depend on the, the mess that you're solving? It
0: absolutely well, depends Solving, but Yeah, definitely not solving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely sense, not solving. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, making sense of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely not a solve for sure. I would say that the mm-hmm. process is similar in that I follow the rough steps of a process, mm-hmm. um, but I would say that the deliverables are always fairly unique to whatever the mess is. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I find that to be the same with my students. Like now that I'm not practicing as much myself, but I'm more guiding students, what I'm seeing is that they're approaching similar messes, but because they're in very different contexts, they might approach them very differently. And so I'm, I think at this point, one of the things I'm the most interested in is sort of teaching people the grammar so that they can make up their own deliverable parts so that it really makes sense for their context, as opposed to like Mm -hmm. trying to sell them a toolkit where they need to use a subset of this superset to like do it right. Um, And I think that there, you know, there's a lot of, value for people in templates but I think there's also a little bit of danger in them that if you try to apply templates to the word any (laughs) in that it doesn't really work all that often
2: yeah yeah you know what I'm curious about is and I think there's a lot of industries including the one Alfie was in and I'm still currently in which Mm -hmm. is what you said is you don't necessarily know when you start uh looking at a mess or a project objective what the outcome or output will be and a lot of times that's quite hard to sell uh, mm-hmm. your skill sets or sell what you're trying to do, especially if you're a consultant. And yeah. I'm very curious, like, what is your approach? Like, how how do you sell yourself then to yeah. this mm. organization who's extremely output-focused, usually not outcome-focused, if you mm. yourself don't really know what the outcome will look like or
0: yeah. be? Yeah. So this is the thing. I think like knowing what the outcome will be. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the outcome of working with uh, an information architect will be clarity. I know that the outcome okay. will be a direction forward. Um, and I know that the dire- then something will be momentum, right? Like those three things, okay. mm-hmm. I can promise. Knowing is yeah. it going to be an app with this many yeah. screens that has this much architecture behind it, that has this much database needs. No, I, that part is really hard to get up front. So I find that um, one of the most important things is to understand that scoping is part of what you're laying out in the process. Um, Mm -hmm. And also to be really careful about expertise. Like I think when you, when you oversell your expertise at the beginning by promising something that you're projecting into like a massive void, you're setting yourself up for later on when you don't know the Mm -hmm. answer to something. And now you're supposed to be the expert. Why don't you know the answer to this? versus if you go in as like I'm not an expert in your mess I've never been in your mess before I'm an expert in making sense of messes that's a different Mm -hmm. you have to teach me about your mess I I don't know enough about your mess to make sense of it like whoa you operate in an entire different country I didn't even know that like I take that tact more (laughs) often and I I really encourage my students to do that as well to sort of keep Mm -hmm. focused on that discovery process up front that really is about discovering and not about going through some slides showing what we're going to do, which I think a lot of people are using discovery for right now. Um, So yeah, it's it's not about like, telling them what they're going to get at the end. Although I will say that oftentimes, people are telling me what they're going to get at the end, you know, like I worked with the (laughs) International House of Pancakes, like I knew what I was going to give them at the end, because I needed a new menu. Like, that's not going to yeah. change, but what's going to be on that menu and what it's going to take to yeah. get there. That's a little bit more malleable based on, you know, the process and the mm-hmm. objectives and the resources, mm-hmm. you know, I ate a lot of pancakes on that project, but I didn't mm-hmm. eat enough pancakes with other people at certain parts of it. I had to like scale that back. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's, it's the th- only project th- I th- ever th- had a th- pancake budget on, by the way.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> think the world would be a better place with more pancake budgets. Mm. Um,
0: that was a great project, very fun.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. You know, w- one of the things that's, that, that, that has been, I think, the most interesting um, for me, and I think you you've touched on, you touched on it a little bit earlier in this conversation, is this idea of having students who are in, mm-hmm. like, a diverse range of places. Because, you know, I think a lot of the communication or engagements that we have, for the time being, maybe in a professional context, are people who, I, who you either work with Or there are people Mm -hmm. in your, you know, your personal life and your family, but there are very few relationships you have with people who are not family or friends Mm -hmm. that are in the same profession as you. And so, um, it'd be interesting to hear a little bit of what you found in terms of the dynamic of having people from different organizations Mm -hmm. in the same level, um, in the same discipline of practice, collaborating or working on the same, um, on the same problems.
0: Yeah, I've definitely found there's a lot of um, like emoji reacts of like, hands and like a lot of shaking Mm -hmm. heads when there's people talking and, and that I feel like it makes people feel really seen. Like, I think oftentimes, Mm. um, a reaction I get, especially to office hours is somebody comes the first time, and they're not really sure that they're even going to ask a question. But then they do ask a question, and they leave having so much more insight in the fact that this is not unique. Um, that I think gives them a lot of permission to kind of like let themselves off the hook a little bit. Like this is just, Mm -hmm. it's just information architecture. You know, we're not doing surgery here. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that a lot of people need to be reminded of because the environment that they're working in can sometimes feel very different from that for all sorts of power dynamic reasons. So I do find this like routine of having these people come together once a month for an hour to just talk about what they're working on and ask questions that are super high level. They're not like showing us deliverables or anything like that. It's more, you know, I'm dealing with this particular stakeholder in this way, or I'm Mm -hmm. tackling this project. Has anybody else tackled something like this? Um, and -hmm. yeah, people feel very like seen. I think I know I do. I mean, I'm continually every month. I'm just like, man, this really is a thing. Like people really do yeah. this all day long and they're, none of their titles is information architect. Like all of them are doing something yeah. else, but they all have to do this thing called information architecture. And they all found mm. this random place that I created on the internet to put people together mm. and talk about that. It's wild.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's a space that I'm also just interested in because, you know, I can remember when I was working, um, when, when Steph and I first met, we met at a, a, a bank on this side called Absa. And so one of the, the, so we were both working on the banking app and I was like, one of my focuses was around the design system. And at least in South Africa, like, you know, a lot of um, companies were sort of in the early stages of doing design systems and was a concept that was somewhat, somewhat new, especially what, what I think while I was working. So a lot of people knew about it, but not many people had sort of delivered a complete one. And I can just remember wishing to have people who are struggling with the same problem as me, to talk to, just to compare notes, just to kind yeah. of see, like, am I going completely in the wrong direction or, you know, yeah. are, are we walking down the same path and just don't know it? And, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said for building um, community outside our typical work um boundaries with yeah. people who are just focused or interested in the same thing, um, as us. And, you know, maybe that in some sense is, um, a foreshadowing of how you and I started initially working together,
0: yeah, yeah, um, totally. It's meeting a- on a spreadsheet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have you ever exactly. met a, a person via spreadsheet? Because via it's really worth doing at
0: least, <laughs> at least
2: once. In your that life. does not sound like Alfie though at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally met Alfie via spreadsheet.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. bizarre. Although, on the one hand, Steph, like I, you know, there are, there are very few things I wouldn't do to find people to meet and people to talk to. So <laughs> finding me thing, in a yeah. spreadsheet is yeah. maybe not the place where exactly. I commonly am, but where there are people, you can find me. um
0: I mean, I should go and back you know, and I look think... at the initial spreadsheet row of mm-hmm. you and see what you said because I don't even remember <laughs> at this point what you said. <laughs>
1: Ooh, I hesitate to think what past Elf is get I, up to.
0: <laughs> we won't read it on air. How about that? <laughs> cool.
1: We can laugh mm-hmm. about it offline.
0: Yeah, I'll send it to you later.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think. Um, so sorry, Steph. Did you want to say something?
2: Mm, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just. I, I think I was just gonna provide a little bit of context around you know how you and i initially started working together because i think mm-hmm. there's there's an element of um collaboration that i'm i'm interested in um you know we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about, around some of the, the the students that you might have might ha- that might have this experience of meeting kindred spirits but then yeah. sometimes you also just meet a person who in some sense it isn't clear what the the kinship is um mm. and i think in some way that that was very much um the case with you and i you know i for the first oh, time yeah. spoken makes sense miss 2022 which is coming around oh which oh. by the time you're re- hearing this will already have been yeah,
0: um, oh, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: published oh, and oh, done oh fun
0: oh let's pretend um, that we're in the future which is
1: for the super of exciting <laughs> <laughs> um but i think uh why why i wanted to 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 bring that up is because when you and i initially started having our conversations it wasn't very clear what what the end goal was and you know Steph, kind totally. of um, considering the question that you asked, like we came into the initial conversations very much without a um, clear understanding of what the outcome would be, but I think mm-hmm. in a sense we had a shared interest in some of the concepts and ideas we were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think I'm 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 glad for where it's brought us because I think there's there's a lot a lot in the works that's coming.
0: Yeah, I feel like there was like there was one like term that both of us were really interested in at the same time and working out that one term and what that would mean to teach to other people has basically taken us a year. <laughs> <It's> that, <laughs> so, Should we tell them what the term is? Yes, please. Um, the, the term is peer mentorship. Um, yeah. I think that like when Alfie and I connected, I was at a really unique place where I had finished my second book and I knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to do more in the world of content creation And I had this sense makers club idea and I knew I wanted to do something there, but I wasn't really sure like what that looked like. I knew how to make an e-course and I knew how to like, you know, make something based on the books that I have and that kind of thing. Um, And then Alfie was in a unique position himself, but I'll I'll let him uh, speak to that. (laughs) And we sort of like came into this world where we're both talking with one another and we're very in very different places yet we're bouncing things off of one another. And it was this really, um, I felt like really important kind of like mooring, you know, we just had like this weekly mm-hmm. meeting while we were trying to figure out like, Oh, we're going to do something together. Maybe eventually let's just hang out. And over time it started to be like, a, Oh man, I'm really getting a lot of value from this idea of mm-hmm. only knowing this person through this lens of like growing as practitioners, as entrepreneurs, as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we started to get really yeah. interested in doing that. Um, Alfie, do you want to take the next chapter of front yeah. kind of like what happened?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I think, you know, as you mentioned on my side, I was really focused on this concept of peer mentorship, like the possibility of two people at equal levels coming together to in a sort of give and take. And I think, you know, at first, I think when we were chatting, I was just kind of chasing this idea down, like, you know, super focused. And then I started to realize yeah. like, every time we're having that conversation, we were practicing the thing that I was chasing down. You know, yes. we're kind of going through this process where you share a little bit of, um, of your, your ideas. I share a little bit of, of, of where I'm thinking and we kind of come, um, come together in the middle to find something that's, you know, a value to both of us. Um, and so, you know, I, as we kind of worked on it, um, more and more, I think we started to see that there's just as much value in the collaboration on this course than in the material that we were actually working on. And so, you know, it kind of went from just a weekly catch up of just ideas being thrown around to actually seriously wanting to create something that could sort of repeat what you and I would, were were working together on or, um, organically. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of took us and I, I still remember eventually realizing, you know, we're kind of going through the focusing a lot on the on the mentorship element of things. And more and more, I realized for me to for me to do this effectively, I need to have answers about myself that I don't yet have. And I kind of need to look internally and get yeah. to know myself a little bit better so that the give and take could actually be genuine because, you know, it's easy to say that you're getting in, in into a give and take, but if you don't know what you're giving and you don't know what you're taking, it's only a matter of time until things sort of get imbalanced. And so we kind of started looking into different ways of, of helping a person go through the process of generating um, a little bit more of more self-awareness. I'm not at all saying that we've got, you know, uh, a uh, a solve all solution, but I think it's, it's a lot more focused on the foundations of that. And I think that eventually, you know, evolved into um, one of the projects that you and I are going to be, you know, launching together um, very soon. It's also been, I think, a huge learning experience for me, kind of stepping into this role of educator, you know, I think our audience is already pretty familiar with my, (laughs) my struggle with academia and eventually, so, you know, overcoming Mm -hmm. that and now sort of coming full circle, um, to kind of enter mm-hmm. at a different point has been yeah. definitely a huge growing experience for me. Um, and I think in some ways, you know, I think that that kind of story we've been kind of going down, it's pretty much led to I think where we are today at the, at the edge of kind of bringing this thing into the world.
0: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, mm-hmm. for real, we're like, we're bringing into this, this thing into the world. We our application process for our course is now open in this future world <laughs> that we're speaking in this podcast. Um, And I hope that that's true. My goodness, I really hope Mm -hmm. that that's the case. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've created a course called Making Sense of Yourself. And I think like Mm -hmm. the thing that I was really surprised by was um, I didn't think I knew myself for sure. I I didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought that I knew myself pretty well professionally. I think like that Mm -hmm. was a little surprising to me that when I started to really get into conversations with somebody specifically about areas that I want to see myself grow in, I was surprised by my weaknesses i was surprised by the things that alfie was able to see that i wasn't able to see Mm. and i felt like um Mm. there was this combination of introspection and reflection with another person who's doing the same thing so kind of has that same buy-in um Mm -hmm. but yeah i just i think like a lot of people could get something out of so this idea of uh, personal information architecture has been something that for years i've thought about and kind of dreamt about like this world of unlocking information architecture from purely professional endeavors um, and i think like there's nothing more important than making sense of yourself like it, it just impacts mm-hmm. every mentorship relationship mm-hmm. every job you're going to go after every relationship mm-hmm. you're going to be in um and so yeah i think you know similar to alfie i'm kind of like we don't know exactly what we're doing here uh, <laughs> we're doing this for the first time mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. yeah i think the tools that we've developed are really thoughtful and uh, mm-hmm. I can definitely say we've tested the heck out of them on ourselves if no
2: one else. So yeah. we've
0: also tested them yeah. on other people. Yeah. But <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: You know, as an outsider kind of listening and with not too much more context than what you guys shared here now around this concept of peer mentorship that you've guys been kind of working mm-hmm. through and figuring out, I can immediately feel and see um, the value for... I'm going to take myself as an example and because because I think a lot of people might think but where is the value in that or am I the right person to kind of do this course mm-hmm. or go on this journey mm-hmm. with you guys and as a designer in a company and this is a very common use case often a design practitioner of any sort of design there is a quite a responsibility to bring different people different things together make sure mm-hmm. there is some equilibrium some um, yeah just some synergy between different spaces for instance I often work with the data team I work with the marketing team mm-hmm. I work with the content team I work with the country managers I work I work yeah. with the supply team and for instance I have the scenario now where, We have a marketing design division, and I work for the product team. And we have often set up this meeting, myself and the designer within the marketing team. And we have this recurring meeting once a month, and we don't really have an agenda for the meeting. And it's been actually Mm -hmm. quite hard to commit to that meeting because we feel like beforehand, if we don't have a concrete agenda or a plan Mm -hmm. on how we're going to align these two spaces, that we don't necessarily see value in us keeping that meeting. But this is yeah, quite yeah. a quite a like concrete example that you guys explained where kind of just figuring out where are the similarities by just conversing yes. and the mm-hmm. the non-similarities, the differences and where we have shared values, our values align and mm-hmm. where they don't, and just kind of allowing that process to unfold without having some concrete goal or agenda in mind yeah. is very mm-hmm key and part of the process as well yeah yeah
0: no it's very important too like going into that i would say like if you wanted to start an official peer mentorship with that person like you would have to know a lot about what you want in order to do that and they would have to know a lot about what they want and i think like that's where alfie and i got to is like Mm -hmm. we were for months i mean probably about six months honestly of this process Mm. we were designing a course on peer mentorship and that's what the course Mm -hmm. was on and we kept being like okay if we're going to pair people up, we have to like get, they have to get to know one another and sort of be like, okay, right. so let's give them a tool so that they can get to know each other. But then we figured out, oh no, in order to get to know each other, they have to know themselves so that they can actually mm-hmm. present themselves to a stranger, you know, in, in this case. So mm. that's where everything kind of backed up, which I, we were like, oh my gosh, in order to do a course on peer mentorship, we actually have to do an entire course on just figuring yourself out. So now mm-hmm. we have a three month course, half of which is figuring out yourself and half of which is pairing up with a stranger and going through the rest yeah. of the journey of sort of you know, figuring out what your, your path going forward is. So it's interesting that it sort of, um, yeah, everything kind of reflected the process that we went through all the way down to the like, oh yeah, we're actually thinking mm-hmm. about making sense of ourselves. This isn't even about peer mentorship mm-hmm. yet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, it, it's it's definitely been 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 a crazy journey, but I think one of the things that's surprising for me is the personal growth that has resulted, and some of the things I think that I had to same. kind of face or contend with as a result. Because sort of knowing that you know this is something that you want to stand behind, you want mm-hmm. to ensure that you're also coming at the process um, honestly and truthfully. And I think you know we yeah. had to have quite a number of conversations that were. Definitely vulnerable. Um, I think that's one of the elements that you kind of, sort of need, especially at, 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 and when you have two, you know, people who are at, at an equal level coming to each other. And I, I, I think you, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of picking out from the, the the last couple of things that have been identified is sort of ensuring that the, the energy exchange is somewhat equal. And I think one of the interesting yeah. things, um, you know, you and I found along along the way, is that often some of Relationships that somewhat start off with a power dynamic, let's say a manager and a direct report, eventually graduate into a peer mentorship because you know that person isn't going to be a junior forever, um, yeah. and eventually they'll pick up the skills, they'll kind of become more competent yeah. until the stage where this person is just as much on the forefront as you. Um yeah. and you know, and especially when I think I'm when I'm thinking about people who are either thought leaders or people who are on the edge of their industry, maybe relationships like that are. Even more valuable, just because mm-hmm. in some sense you know you've climbed a, a specific um skill set so far that there are maybe not as many people who you can look to as in the traditional traditional mentorship sense um, yeah. I don't know maybe Abby, I don't know if you've found in your in your experience like have there been people along the way you know as you've um been developing your own personal growth and your your own um work? like people yeah. who you might consider to be peers who also have that mentorship relationship before we even started oh, yeah. you know, working on this concept together.
0: Yeah, no, I would say that like literally my entire career is because of mentorship. Like every, every move that I've made has been, could be directly attributable to a person or group of people that have guided me. Um, I have mm. been really of benefit to the fact that I am like the, the second wave of information architecture, um, mm. and the first wave is is all people that I have had the opportunity to meet and know, um, many of of whom have taken personal interest in me as like as I've been coming up, and I've known them since I was like in my mid twenties. So, um, some of okay. them I've, I've mm-hmm. known for twenty years. So, um, mm. yeah, it's been really interesting. Like it has, it has gone the way that you just described. Like I was recently talking to somebody in that group who's kind of like in that OG. And they described me as being an OG member of the IA community. And I stopped them in their tracks. And I was like, I want to remind you that I met you when I was in my 20s. And I was shaking because I was so nervous Mm -hmm. about asking a question. So I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. that like, if you do have those relationships for long enough, I think they do even out into that peer mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I would say that almost every one of those people now in my life is in that category where they are in the peer category where several of them have reached out to me in the last several years when things have gotten so tumultuous about like, how am I handling these things? How am I making these decisions? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been really interesting. There's a lot of like past me freaking the heck out over it, you know, Mm -hmm. like people that I read the blogs of that I never thought I would even know. And now 15 Mm -hmm. years later, like they write me an email and they're like, Hey, I'm dealing with this situation. Can I grab 30 minutes on your calendar? I'm just like, yeah that's awesome (laughs) yes please but that's also like a real um illustration of pay it forward you know i feel like Hmm. i was given a lot of time and energy from people at a time when they didn't have to give that to me there was no incentive for them to give it to me other than someone gave it to them and it got them to there and so i try to just you know continue that that vibe forward um and i i feel that you know like i i think i had most recently um Someone who I mentored was name dropped to me in a conversation. And this person was like so excited about something that they made. And I remember that person as a student. And I was like, This is so mm-hmm. exciting. And I kept my mouth shut. You don't, you know, you don't need to mm-hmm. do that. But mm-hmm. it was so fun to like, oh mm-hmm. man, that's that does happen, you know. So I'm getting into that period now where the people that I mentored are now becoming mm-hmm. my peers. Um mm-hmm. and reconnecting with those folks and like, I you don't know, in a lot of cases yeah. I've I've become very um I'm on their Christmas card list, and, you know, mm-hmm. sending pictures <laughs> of my kid and stuff, you know? So that stuff really matters.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the experience that you're showing now kind of, um, I would kind of almost disagree with the statement Alfie made earlier, which was about there has to be an equal exchange. Because I think very like, uh very on point for for any type of human relationship. The give and take is mm-hmm. truly never 50-50. And I think, I, or, mm. or, or maybe even some of the the give and take isn't as tangible for one person as it is for the other. And kind of also mm. stepping into any yeah. any relationship, peer mentorship, relationship, whatever it is, into yeah. knowing that maybe you will be taking more than you give. And when you're on the other side, kind of knowing, like you said, it's, it's more of a paying Mm -hmm. it forward, um, mindset that you have and knowing that it will be trusting that it will be returned one day.
0: Yeah. That energy exchange Mm. is not, uh, in every moment equal. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an important distinction, which Mm I I don't, I I doubt that Alfie like meant it as that, but (laughs) I feel like the, um, the idea of like, for example, there's been, um, I've gone through a very difficult season in the last couple of months with a lot of personal challenges Mm -hmm. and like, there's definitely been times where Alfie and I have had a conversation where, like, we're an hour and 15 minutes into our hour-long check-in, and we've only talked about me. And it feels very uneven in that moment. And I've even had these moments where I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I just blew through that entire thing, and it's been all about me. And every single time, it's been like, well, no, because, like, do you remember three times ago and it was all about him the entire time so i feel -hmm. like it's it's and when i look back on like those early mentorship relationships in my life especially it was like they were giving me time and they were giving me attention and feedback and then i was giving them um a lot of volunteerism you know i was the person who organized the t-shirt contest for the information architecture institute's conference Mm -hmm. and i'm i would do like oh do you need somebody to make a spreadsheet for tracking that thing for members sure i'll do that thing so i feel like there's um like the even exchange of energy isn't about like importance or level it's more about like making sure that both parties feel recognized and valued and that it's not Mm -hmm. like a vampire type of
2: yeah, situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. of
0: course right we, we've kind of all had energy is... vampires yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 like you know and we don't want that That's...
2: it kind of <laughs> comes back you... to you guys speaking about having a lot of self-awareness because uh th- yeah. th- like you said the exchange won't necessarily be equal in every moment and i think if you are the main tea and the traditional sense you probably are firstly a lot more hungry for engagement of a certain person at some type of level of knowledge Mm -hmm. and experience. Um, It's a lot easier for someone in that position to see value in that relationship than it probably is for someone who is the mentor to see value in the relationship if they're more of the giver. But if there's, Mm -hmm. like, again, a little bit Mm -hmm. of self-awareness, the the value is probably not as tangible. But also Mm -hmm. giving in itself, there's a lot of value in transferring your knowledge and experience to someone else and contributing to someone else's development. That in itself holds a lot of value.
0: Yeah, totally. I feel like early on I had a lot of – people like in my mentoring relationships like give me things like I wish we were mm-hmm. I, we, I was in my real office because I can show you some of them but there's like um you had one mentee that reached out after maybe our third conversation and he just said what's your favorite quote and I said um my favorite quote is dance like no one's watching and he said oh okay all right so two months after that <laughs> we had another meeting we like met for coffee and he brought me this 3d printed uh, like typographic set of that quote that he made and 3D printed for me. And it was just Aww. like, a wow, it's like, I don't know. Like, it's, yeah. it's just nice, you know? Um, yeah. Or had another one that um, in our very first conversation, because it's, you know, information architecture mentor, and this person was an information architecture student I was mentoring. We had this hilarious exchange about the word mentee and how terrible it is. And she decided that she was going to call herself my mini manatee. Um, and the next time <laughs> that I saw her, she got me this little, like, tea bag thing that looks like a manatee that clips on the side of your
1: mouth. <laughs>
0: and still to this day, I call her a mini manatee. And she's a mom now and, like, definitely oh. not an information architecture student anymore. But, yeah, so I feel like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff matters. Like, people sending me, um, you know, oh, I was at this library and I saw this cool article. So I took a picture of it and then I was sending it to you. Like, that. I feel like that stuff really matters um, when yeah. that that value doesn't seem i don't know i mean also the value of a thank you card is unbelievably um like undervalued i feel like like it's those things Mm -hmm. warm my heart every single time Mm -hmm. like especially if they're not right after as sort of like a hey thanks for the time but it's like two months after and they're like hey that thing that you said, it actually changed my life in this way, or I've been thinking about that thing you said, and this is how I think you're, you're wrong, or, you know, whatever it is, but I feel like that stuff is, you know, maybe they're just good at reading my love languages, but for me, that, that works.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy um, to hear you talk about this. I think this, that, that last bit strikes a chord in a completely different, um, on a completely different, you know, note, because I think, you know, one of the things you, you've realized, you know, you Shared a little bit about the idea of the energy vampires that they that they can be, and sort of focusing mm-hmm. on making reciprocal relationships. Um, yeah. I think one of the interesting things is, you know, when you are in a um, when you, when you are in a relationship that's a give and take, an engagement, whether it's peer mentorship, a normal relationship, or where, um, whatever it might be. There's something interesting that I think I'd like to tie into that we talked a little bit about, and that's sort of like incentives and looking at change. And one of the things that that's been more and more coming to mind for me um especially as I'm kind of like talking and thinking about this over the past couple of weeks is incentive alignment in peer mentorship even like mm-hmm. when you're you two yeah. people trying to trying to get into an even exchange, it somewhat stands to reason that things are a little bit less clear because you know yeah. it's a sort of give and take give and take it's a little bit more dynamic and so because of that dynamic nature, I guess there's a sense for for incentives to somewhat kind of veer off, but the relationship yeah. stays the same. Um, I don't know if 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 you've thought anything on the, on that matter.
0: I haven't, but I would say that if the if the um, incentives go in opposite directions, I would say the relationship probably would follow with it. Like I I, w- I would think that you just described every ghosted relationship that anyone's <laughs> ever had on this call, right? Like yeah, 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 because uh-huh. yeah. I mean, even if you just I get the ick on somebody, I feel like that's still like a change of incentive. So, hmm, yeah, I feel like you I that's think, something that um, I feel like one of the things that I've been taking away from this conversation hmm. of ongoing, like a year long conversation with you is um, not taking my friendships for granted, like hmm. being more intentional with my friendships, with the knowledge that, yeah, without some of that like self-awareness and shared incentive on like why we communicate at all, that Mm -hmm. it can just fall Mm -hmm. apart. And that people do just exit your life for just neglect on both parties or one party side. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like I've I've learned a lot about that. And I actually like the idea of having a regular one-on-one video schedule with the closest people in my life has been one of the like most life-changing things for me in the last year and a half. I, I started doing that mid last year um, I had been mm. working in an office for my, by myself for way too long, writing a book. And I was like, I want to talk to people. And now <laughs> I have this like really robust weekly schedule of, there's like six people, including Alfie that I speak to mm. every single week and it's on our set schedule and, you know, it doesn't work out every, every week, but for most of them it does. Um, and it's just mm. become this like really important routine in my life to keep those relationships that are friendships. Yeah. They're not, you know they're not exactly peer mentorships. They're more on the like personal side and still to keep those going. um, And I do find that because we've made it like more of an official thing that there is a little bit more of that shared accountability going on. And we are Mm -hmm. starting to build Mm -hmm. some of those peer mentorship tools without even calling it that just because of the like, Oh, I'm seeing you on this regular cadence. So I'm able to kind of like keep up with you a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, and hold you accountable to yourself a little bit more. Like, you can only meet with the same person every single Tuesday at 11 o'clock for so long before you're like,
2: hey, this thing, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. What's going on with that thing? Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what you're describing to me now sounds utterly exhausting. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> like meeting with so many people every day. This kind of brings me to the question I've had in mind the past two minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. firstly, I have this feeling that. People, people, and I don't want to say extroverts, because I hate that term. I hate the, the binary of Yeah, don't do it. Introverts and extroverts, but people who enjoy speaking and conversing yeah. and having conversations seem to it, it seems like they would gravitate a lot more to the concept of peer mentorship. And that's probably mm-hmm. how you guys also ended up with this exchange that you have. And I'm curious if you guys, maybe you've even experienced something like this before, Abby, or maybe you guys have thought about the topic of how would peer mentorship look like for, and I'm going to use myself as an example again, for people who actually would not necessarily gravitate to having so many, um, not even intimate conversations, but conversations mm-hmm. with people. What is that peer relationship even look mm-hmm. like because unfortunately yeah. it will probably most of the time be a video call or a physical conversation. I think physical conversation is probably easier to navigate for people like that because just sitting in silence is a lot yeah. easier or like sitting and working together and only when yeah. you have a, a need to like share as you kind of working mm-hmm. and processing through a problem or a idea comes up a lot sure. more natural than it would virtually. Is this something you yeah. guys have thought about?
0: I mean, first of all, I I think it's hilarious that you're assuming I'm uh, an extrovert. I'm definitely not an extrovert. I'm very introverted, and I don't like talking to strangers very much. So I feel like there's. I just want to call that out because, like, I'm I'm not that mm. person. Um, But I think that like, so for example, that that's why I think that that's been really valuable for me, because I'm not that person. And the people that I now have weekly calls with are people that were falling out of my life because I was not Mm. answering their text messages within a week of time or staying active in their life. Mm. And that was something that my introverted self, my very, um, I just want to be in my room with my books and my, my drawings all day and my computer, like the idea of having um, any meetings with anybody is very mm. challenging for me. And yeah. I would say that I still have, um, I still have some of those friends that I cancel on and they know that it's mental health reasons that I'm canceling on mm-hmm. them. Um, so yeah, mm. I, I think that it really is. I would question whether the comfort of that is actually good for a person because mm-hmm. there's there's being an introvert. Um, I don't like that term either. Um, but then there's being protective of yourself to the point where you're limiting your ability to grow and be who you could be, you know? And I think that that's up Mm -hmm. to every person. Like I identified in my early life as a mom that those relationships were falling away and I needed to figure out a way to make it so that they they didn't fall away. Now having Mm -hmm. those meetings every week has not made me more of an extroverted person at all. Right. Um, but it has, created this structure in my life that now when I'm careening off of a mental health cliff, like there's like six people that really know about it. And they're going to call me on that. If I am continually Mm -hmm. canceling and continually showing up late or mis disheveled or whatever it is, like, they're going to call me on that stuff. I had a friend recently Mm -hmm. that I did that meeting from my bed and she was like, this is, this is new. This is a new situation. We should talk about this situation of you dialing in from the bed if I didn't talk to her all of the time, I don't think that she would have Mm. even noticed that I was in a different place, but because I mm. do, that's something that she could call me on. So yeah, I would say like the in-person thing, if this was in person, if I had to make time in my life to go visit with six people every single week, I wouldn't (laughs) do it. That would never happen to me. But because it's like as simple as a call on a video and it's a half an hour, like each of them is, is like half an hour for the most part. Um, yeah, it feels like it's a doable thing. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I, I don't
0: know. I, I would Can be it's... really interested to know, like, if you tried to do something like that, if it would exhaust you or energize you. I'd, I'd be yeah. very interested to know. Because it, it ends up energizing me in surprising ways.
2: You know, I think it's almost, if I think about it, it makes me feel more that it's not necessarily whether you as a person enjoy or get energy from talking to other people maybe it's more the skill to Mm -hmm. process not only your thinking but emotions in the presence of other people because i know that is something that i am not very comfortable with yeah yeah life processing it's something i'm not very comfortable with it's something that makes me really tired and that actually makes me uh it just makes so much sense why probably why you guys also ended up on the course focusing on self-awareness and self-development first because maybe Mm -hmm. that is probably the skill you should be working on first if you want to attempt a really valuable peer relationship where you can Mm -hmm. kind of get and take in an equal way.
0: Yeah and so much of the way that we've been designing this course is to meet a lot of different learning styles like we'll yeah. have live workshops that sort of prepare you to do the work but the work is not live processing in the workshop. We we have not designed this course to be that at all. It's more doing the introspective work in between the workshops and then using your cohort as safe strangers to sort of get a little mm-hmm. bit more comfortable yeah. with the idea of expressing yourself and talking about yourself. Like we have a whole section of uh of the the workshop called talking about yourself. But we also have one mm-hmm. called asking about yourself, where we're mm-hmm. sending people out to have conversations about themselves with people that are important to them or people that they've worked mm-hmm. with in the past. And so I think that there's all these little exercises that are more about sending you on a little mission of introspection and then mm-hmm. coming back mm-hmm. to that like community of people who are all doing the same thing so that you get that camaraderie of like, oh, God, wasn't that mm-hmm. so awkward when you had to ask? You know your sister what yeah. your what your like weakness was or whatever it is mm-hmm. um and so yeah I'm, I'm really i'm very interested to see like i mean alfie and i have done this on such a small scale with the two of us and then alfie's mm-hmm. been able to do these like recorded coaching sessions with some sample students that have volunteered but mm-hmm. it'll be really interested to see like when we have a whole cohort of people doing that um mm-hmm. yeah i'm kind of hoping that it's like the most useful chat roulette ever but we'll see, mm-hmm. Let's see what happens
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think there's just a little bit I wanted to add on um, to, your, um, to your question, Steph. But just because I think one of the things I just wanted to um, share a little bit of, about, because I think as a person who maybe, maybe not extroverted, but as a person who likes to speak and likes to engage with people, mm-hmm. you know, we spend so much time talking, but we somehow never seem to talk about the things that we struggle with because we're always talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. one of the interesting things that I've sort of found out of this and working with Abby, who is someone who is quite different from me, who um, yeah. maybe does prefer to spend a little bit more time on her own thinking and, and sort of in her own space where I kind of want to be in other people's spaces. Mm-hmm. What this has forced me to do is to not to just speak everything that's on my mind and dive, dive straight into, you know, live and in-person processing, but take a little bit of time to write my thoughts down and write them in a way that uh, that I can communicate to another person. um. Because I think, you know, going through this, I kind of went through a little bit of a slump, especially when, we, when we're d- doing the self-reflective side, because, you know, mm-hmm. it forces you to ask questions. Well, it doesn't force you, but you can choose to ask questions about yourself that are somewhat deep and significant. And, you know, I think what I'm usually a little bit more comfortable with is just talking to a person live and almost expressing the feelings that I'm feeling that the kind of having this method that's sort of multidimensional gives you the opportunity to do that live processing when you're in the workshop, if you if that's the approach that you want to do. It gives you the opportunity to practice doing, you know, reflection on your own and sitting with your own thoughts, which I'm I realized I'm a lot less comfortable than I thought, and also finding a couple of different ways in between. And I think it's kind of having gone through that full spectrum that I'm seeing that even though I thought I was really you know, self-aware and able oh, to, We, both to, to we speak.
0: Both <laughs> <laughs> thought we yeah. really no knew each is. other and we didn't really know, we didn't know uh, yeah. ourselves at all. No. no.
1: And I think Isn't that amazing? Into, into that space. Yeah,
0: I mean, no, I mean, it has been, it's been, um, yeah, amazing. Relief. and Uh, not yet. <laughs> I want it to be a relief, yeah, but not it's, yet. It's, yeah. I would, it, if be, yeah, we said we were done, I'd be mix. like, yeah, uh, maybe. But yeah, it's much more still Mm -hmm. in the mix. I'm glad that you called that out, Alfie. I hadn't thought about that. One thing that I can say Mm -hmm. um, just in like the opposite way is like Alfie has definitely reflected how much he's gotten kind of the opportunity to think in structure and to do kind of like the the introspection ahead. But one thing that I've gotten from him is the ability to um, collaborate and... Uh, get to know people on the fly. Like, I'm really bad at that. And we've had a couple of, of meetings within the community where I've brought him in to help me to be better at that because yeah. there's just like a, a limiter on my introversion that makes it so I want to rush through to the end yeah. of yeah. the meeting. Like, I just want the goal to be done. Let's get the agenda. Let's get the next steps. Like, I'll make a half an hour meeting 15 minutes if I can. Alfie will make it 45 minutes and everyone will leave with like new music recommendations and feeling like they're going to have a coffee chat next week as well. That's like a completely different way of working. And I've definitely seen a reaction from different types of folks than I'm used to in terms of the way that I approach those, those things. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to have found peership with somebody that is so different in so many ways, but also somebody that I just always felt, you know, could see me. You know, didn't necessarily have the experience of being me, but could acknowledge that I'm a person in the world doing things that are hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: At the risk of sounding Thank you, really cliche, yeah. <laughs> we often uh, attract the, the opposite, right? Because we need yeah. that mirror mm-hmm. to kind of show us what, not what we're lacking, but our strengths and our weaknesses.
1: Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I think paying, um, paying credence to the fact that we are just people trying to do difficult things in the world and working at it. You know, I think it's also good for us every now and then the people that we meet around us whose story we don't get to know and whose background we don't get to dive into just to give them the benefit of the doubt as well. And yeah. I think with a sentiment like that, we are probably heading into the closing, closing stages of our discussion. Um, mm.
0: I'd be sad, but I um, talk to you every week several times. So. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get on a regular
2: chat. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh
0: <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did there? I'm like Stephanie needs a regular chat.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah. But I'm I'm really glad we got to do this. I'm really glad we got to do this. Not only because you know you're two very good friends from different sides of my life, but I think also because um these are three minds that have interesting things to say and many more to come. Um, but Abby, thank you so much for, for, making the time to be with us. Um, maybe before we wrap up, um, yeah. just a couple of things, um, where, where might people find you or where would you prefer to most be, um, followed engaged with or communicate with, um, yeah. from our audience?
0: So everything that I have ever made for the most part, except for, you know, the <laughs> human being, uh, that I've made is on my website. So com. Um, mm-hmm. you can also find a lot of the information on the stuff that Alfie and I have been working on on the sensemakersclub.com um, I have all of the social medias I'm not on them very much but I do post mm-hmm. to them when I have new things but if people want to keep up with my work I really encourage my mailing list which you can get to from either one of the websites that I mentioned um, yeah other than that if you like books buy them from the author if that author's me that's awesome but if not buy them from the author. <laughs>
1: Nice. Always.
0: Thanks so much, Abby. It's so great to
2: meet you. Yeah, you too,
0: Stephanie. It's cool. I think we should call this episode Alfie's Worlds Collide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And to everybody listening, thank you very much. And till next time, peace.
2: Cheers, guys. Bye, y'all.